commandment this morning. We're going to talk about Sabbath rest, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Father's Day and Mother's Day. A few weeks ago, was it June 6th was Father's Day, and a few weeks before that was Mother's Day. So in our culture in America, we have two days where we set aside and we specifically try and honor our fathers and our mothers. And across the culture, this is kind of a mixed bag for people. For some, it's a day of happiness and honor because we have good parents. And for others, it's a day of, of sadness and it can be a day of, uh, of uh, anger as well. I don't know if you've heard the statistics, but in prisons, they say that they can't get enough cards for the inmates to send out to their moms. But on Father's Day, nobody wants to send a, 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 a card to their fathers. It's kind of a, kind of a rough, rough deal. A lot, of, a lot of missing fathers, a lot of absent fathers. The way that we celebrate Father's Day and Mother's Day in my family um, is we usually have a meal with either my in-laws or my parents, and we kind of just hang out. We don't really do anything. We just eat together, rest, relax, enjoy one another's company. We usually give some form of a card or a gift where my wife and I try and express the gratitude that we have towards our parents. It's funny, when you're growing up, you think your parents are idiots, and I was guilty of that. And then when you get older, you realize that they're actually not as stupid as you thought they were, right? They're, they're actually pretty smart. And so it's been cool to um, go from a child to a teenager to an adult who's now raising my own kids and uh, just the relationship with my parents and actually my in-laws too is, is really good. It's, it's really enjoyable. And it's actually Father's and Mother's Day, it's not all that different from a normal weekend or, or uh, Sunday. We usually spend a lot of time with my, my parents and, and her parents. Uh, and so it's just a time, I guess, to be a little bit more intentional, think a little bit more intentionally about how to show honor. So it's not really that big of a deal, but it's nice to be more intentional about that. Now, as I said before, not everybody has that relationship with their parents. Sometimes that's the child's fault. Sometimes that, that's the parent's fault. Now, if, if a child says on that day, on Father's Day, on Mother's Day, how much time do I have to spend with my mom or with my dad? Or do I really have to get them a gift? Does that mean that there's a, there's a problem with the holiday? No, of course not, right? There's not a problem with the holiday. There's a problem with the relationship. And we can talk about who's at fault and this, that, and the other thing. But the problem is not, is not with Father's Day and with Mother's Day. Those are actually really good things. We should honor our parents. We're actually going to talk about that, I think, next week or the week after. I'll have to double check. But it's one of the commandments, right? So we'll talk about that in, in a, a week or two. But there's not, there's not something wrong with the day if, if a child says, well, do I have to do this? Or how, how long do I have to spend with my mom or with my dad? There's nothing wrong with the day. It's actually, it's a, a really good thing. You say, why are we talking about Father's and Mother's Day? Well, because as I was reading this week for thinking about the Sabbath, a guy named Sinclair Ferguson, and I won't attempt to do his accent. He's a Scottish fella. I'll just butcher it. But he said that the Sabbath is meant to be our Heavenly Father's Day. It's kind of like Father's Day. It's kind of like Father's Day. So as we think about the Sabbath, kind of have that in your mind. The way that you would spend Father's Day or Mother's Day and show honor to your respective parent is kind of how we're supposed to think about the Sabbath, that it's a day to set aside to, to specifically honor our Heavenly Father. Now here again, if someone would say, well, well how, how long do I have to think about God? Do I really have to go to church on, on, on the Sabbath? Do I have to do this, that, or the other thing? Do I have to feel guilty about doing that? Again, does that mean that there's a problem with the Sabbath? 
No, it means that there's a breakdown in the fellowship and the personal relationship that who's ever saying that about their Heavenly Father. And on the flip side, some people take the Sabbath and instead of saying, well, do I have to do this or it's a guilty thing and, and all of that stuff, they'll, they'll make a bunch of rules to where the Sabbath just feels like it's this overbearing, guilt-ridden day where you're constantly trying to live up and there's no rest in it. So you can either say, well, I don't need that because I don't love God or I don't want to honor him. I don't believe he's a, he exists and that, that shows a breakdown in the relationship. Nothing's wrong with the Sabbath. Or you can make way too big a deal out of it so you're stressed out and you feel guilty because you're trying to f follow a bunch of rules. The Sabbath is about rest. When we make the Sabbath into a bunch of rules, we're kind of missing we're kind of missing the point. So there's a ton of confusion about the Sabbath, about Sunday, about when we're supposed to honor it, if we're even supposed to honor it. A lot of Christians, especially in our evangelical world, will say, I don't have to honor the Sabbath. Christ died, and he fulfilled the old law, so we don't have to do it. Freedom. We can do whatever we want. The Sabbath is no longer binding, right? So I kind of want to work through the, all of this today and hopefully try and clear up a little bit about what the Sabbath is, how we go about keeping it, how we go about keeping it. So I want to spend the rest of our time together unpacking what the Sabbath is in three points. Why do we need it? First of all, what is the Sabbath? Why do we need it? And how can we honor it and keep it holy? So what is the Sabbath? Do we even need this Sabbath day? And if so, how do we honor it and keep it holy. So first, first off, what is the Sabbath? Well, to get our definition, we're going to have to kind of flip through a couple scriptures. If you want to open your Bible, it's mostly in Exodus, but they'll be on the screen as well. They'll be on the screen as well. The first time the, the Lord mentions the Sabbath is actually in Exodus 16, where the people are all grumbling and complaining about being let out of slavery. Just like, why would you grumble and complain about that? They're out in the wilderness, and they're hungry. Oh, wasn't our food so much better when we were slaves? Remember, we always had food, and they're remembering this. And the Lord's like, are you serious, guys? And so he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring bread from heaven. Bread from heaven, manna. And they named it manna, which in Hebrews mean, what is it? Because they don't know what it is. It's like this little honeycomb wafer thing that comes on the ground and they gather it. And, did you, and God gives them instruction. He says, I want you six days to gather enough for your family. Every day, go out every day, gather enough. On the sixth day, I want you to gather a double portion so that you can rest on the Sabbath. That's the first mention of it. But he doesn't really explain why. Why is it that we take a Sabbath? He explains that in actually Exodus 20 where he lays out the Ten Commandments, which we're going to read together. Verses 8 through 11. It's number four on the list of Ten Commandments. It says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall honor, or you shall labor, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is within them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So, if we're to glean some information about the Sabbath from this passage, we can learn that the Sabbath is a day to stop doing your normal work. Stop doing your normal work. So whatever your normal work is, for God, it was the work of creation. He's creating us and all the birds and reptiles and, and the world and the sea and the sun and the moon and the stars and everything that we see and know. He's creating all of that 
and he takes rest from his normal work. See, he doesn't take the whole day off. In Colossians, we find out that God is sustaining the universe. So he's still working. He's, he's doing some work, but he's not doing his normal work of creation. So the Sabbath is to be, to be a day for us where we stop doing our normal work. Whatever it is that we normally do, it's meant to be a day that's about God. And Sabbath finds its, its, its model for us in creation. God created six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested from his normal, normal work. So what exactly did God's rest look like? What did it look like? Well, for that, we have to go back to Genesis. Genesis doesn't spell it out specifically, but it gives us a hint. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So again, it doesn't spell it out specifically, but if we, we think a little bit deeper, think of it like this. What do you do when you complete something? When you complete something, right? Whether it's mowing the lawn or building something, at the end of creation or building or baking and making, you kind of stand back, you look over what you just finished, and you put your hands up, and ah, that's nice. If you're like me, you brag about it a little bit. It's nice right there. I do good work, don't I? That deserves a reward, doesn't it, Rachel? Right? Huh? Yeah. That deserves, that is, yeah, you should, right? You sit back, you, you, satis- you take some satisfaction in what you've just completed. If you built a chair, you sit in it. If you bake a cake, you eat it. If you mowed your lawn, you take a picture of it and, and tag your neighbor who hasn't mowed, mowed his lawn in like four months, right? You enjoy it. You, you, you take satisfaction from a job well done. I think that's, what's got, that's what God is doing on the seventh day. At the end of every day, he says, and it was good. I think the seventh day is a whole 24-hour period to say, ah, this is good. This is good. I did good work. I did good work. So I think that's what God is doing, and he is setting a model for us. He's setting a model for us. It's a day to rest. It's a day to sit back and enjoy a little bit of maybe some of our creation, but more specifically, to enjoy enjoy God's creation, to be satisfied in God, to be satisfied in what he's created, to enjoy the good gifts that he gives to us, to know that he's the one who's really providing for us. It's a day to stop the endless striving of creation and cease that striving long enough to drink some of the goodness of creation in. It's a day kind of to to stop and smell the roses, if you want to put it that way. But it's not just that. It's more than that. It's more than that. The Sabbath is also meant to be a sign to our watching world. To be a sign to our watching world. Look at Exodus 31 with me. 31 verses 16 through 17 says, The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as an everlasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So those who observe observe the Sabbath They're kind of hanging a sign out, hanging a a shingle out, so to speak, that tells the world, I trust in God. He's my provider. I trust him to help me do in six days what the rest of the world tries to do in seven. This was a foreign concept to the pagan nations in Israel's day. Everybody works seven days a week. It would have been crazy 
farming and agricultural community to take one day off every single week. What's even crazier is Leviticus expands the Sabbath law and says once every seven years, you're supposed to take the whole year off. Don't plant anything for a whole year. And God says, I will multiply your harvest in the sixth year so that you will still be eating of its fruit and have enough seed left to plant in the ninth year. So that's crazy. It is crazy. That's the point of the Sabbath for the rest of the world to look and say, that's crazy and say, yeah, it is. But our God, he said to do this and we trust him. We trust him. Think about, think about Chick-fil-A for a second with me. I use Chick-fil-A probably more than I should, but it's such a cool company. It's really, really cool. You see, everybody knows what Chick-fil-A stands for, not because the CEO is out grandstanding, standing on a soapbox. They hardly ever put press releases out. If they do, it's in response to something, but mostly they just keep their mouth shut and they just make really, really good chicken, right? And everybody knows where they stand, not because they're out there on the media talking all the time, but because every one of you in here has probably been through the drive-thru on a Sunday and cussed at them because they're closed. (laughs) Oh, I want my chicken, right? You know what I'm talking about. You do. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. They work six days. They rest on seven. You say, how's that working for them? Well, I just read an article just this past week that said Chick-fil-A is now the number number three restaurant chain in all of America. The average Chick-fil-A does $4.2 million worth of sales annually. Just to give you a frame of reference, KFC, which is open 14% more than Chick-fil-A, only does 1.2 million in annual sales. That means Chick-fil-A does in six days what four of the KFCs couldn't do in seven. Now, again, I have, you can't go out there and say, God's blessing this company, but it sure makes you stop and scratch your head and say, what is going on here? The Sabbath is meant to be a sign to the world that says we don't trust in ourselves, right? I'm not just going to grin my teeth and bear it, pull myself up by my bootstraps, work super hard and be productive. No, I'm going to honor the Lord and do what he says, even though sometimes it sounds crazy. I'm going to trust that he's going to multiply my work in six days and help me do in six days what the world tries to do in seven. Again, I can't say, thus says the Lord, Chick-fil-A is blessed by God. But look at the numbers. You do the math. You draw your own conclusions. The Sabbath is meant to be a day of rest for us to enjoy God, to focus on him, and it's meant to be a sign to the world to say, who's really in charge? Us or the creator of the universe? It's not just that, though, either. It's also a day for corporate worship. It's a day for corporate worship. Look at Leviticus 23. It says, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest. And listen to this, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. Now we're going to unpack this a little bit when we talk about how to take a Sabbath rest. But essentially, what Leviticus is saying is that Sabbath rest happens better in a worshiping community. It's not saying that if you miss church one Sunday, you're going to hell. It's not being legalistic. But it's saying, if you really want to enjoy the fruits of Sabbath, you need to do it 
in a worshiping community. That needs to be a regular part of your Sabbath routine. Again, we'll unpack this later, but to summarize a little bit, what is Sabbath? What is it? Well, the Sabbath is a day to enjoy God and his creation. It's meant to be a sign to the world of who's in charge of your life, who you trust in, and it's also a day for corporate, corporate worship. Time to assemble, to sing praises together, to hear from God's word, to maybe enjoy some barbecue with fellow Christians, have a time of fellowship. And lastly, it's a day of equality. The world loves to talk about that, right? A day of equality and a day of remembrance. Sabbath is a day to remember your freedom. That you're not a slave anymore. You've been set free. You have salvation. It's a day to remember that you're free. And it's a day of equality. It's not just for the rich, for those who can afford it. It's for everyone, even the animals and the immigrants and the foreigners who live within our borders and the slave. It's for everybody. Everybody's included. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy, healthy, wise, poor. God wants everybody to be able to take 24 hours and rest and rest. Look at Deuteronomy 5, 13 through 15 with me. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, female servant, nor your ox, or donkey, or any of your animals, nor the foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Do you see it? It's for everybody. He mentioned slaves and immigrants twice, and then he talks about salvation. You were slaves, now you're free. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you, observe the Sabbath day. See, we're able to rest because God has saved us. He saved us. Israel used to be slaves. They didn't know what rest was because their masters drove them hard. They worked 24-7, 24-7. And we're slaves too, slaves to sin, slaves to the striving to, to prove that we have what it takes. But because of Jesus, we can rest from our endless striving to measure up. And you notice it's for all people. Slaves, immigrants, mentioned twice, along with animals. I always thought that was crazy. God mentions animals all over the place. Jonah is ready to heave judgment out on the Ninevites, and God's like, well, there's some righteous people here, and what about 120,000 cattle? You say, what? God cares about the cow? Yeah, he cares about all of his creation. He wants everything, everything that he's created to be able to enjoy his rest. So that's what Sabbath is. It's a day for enjoyment. It's a day to remind the world that we don't trust in ourselves. We trust in God. It's a day to come together corporately. It's a day to remember God. And it's a day for everybody. You say, well, do we need this? Do we even, do we even need this kind of thing? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. The answer is a resounding yes. Yes, you say, well, well what does science have to say? What are the studies? Ah, the Bible, that's kind of an old book. What, what is science? We love science. Science is, well, we love it. It tells us everything we need to know. What does that say? Well, actually, I, did, I had a lot of fun researching this. The studies and the scientific data that we have about people who take a 24-hour day of rest weekly, are, they're, they're staggering. They're staggering. Sabbath, according to science and studies, experts, it's actually proven to be vital for your health and your productivity. In World War I, Britain was trying to be more productive. They were trying to keep up with 
the German war machine. And so they commissioned a study. What's the best way to organize our work week so that we can be more productive, so that we can put out tanks and, and all the stuff that we need to fight this war? Well, the scientists went to work, the economists, the sociologists, they got together and they studied it. They tried a couple different things. Turns out, the best way to structure your work week, six days on, one day off, right? It's true, it's true. I have a footnote, you can ask for more later. It's been confirmed multiple times. This is fascinating. The French, the French and the Russians actually tried to get away from this. It was during the, the, the French Revolution where everybody was all about reason and science and logic and they're like, this God stuff, this Bible stuff, we don't like it. We want to get rid of it. This whole God created in six days and rested on the seven, we don't want any residue of the Bible in our culture. We're going to get rid of it. So they developed a 10-day work week. The Russians, in classic Russian style, they're like, Mother Russia, we don't need any breaks, right? They're like, we're, we will work 365 days a year. No breaks, and then we will start over. They got rid of the weekend altogether. Continuous work, continuous work. Both of these experiments, guess how long they lasted? 10 years and 11 years. They both failed. What'd they go back to? Six days on, seven days off. Six days on, seven days off. Another study I read uh, surveyed a group of kind of legalist uh, religious people, and, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but kind of fanatics about the Sabbath. They, they're religious. They do it every single week. They studied this group of individuals out in California, and it turns out that taking one day off every seven, 24-hour period, all of these people live longer. Increases your life expectancy to follow the six days on, seven day off. Another study, they measured the levels of cortisol, which is what doctors look at. If you have a bunch of cortisol in your blood, if it's elevated, it means you're super stressed out. Super stressed out. Guess how long it takes for the cortisone levels in your body to come down? 24 hours. Guess, guess the pattern of life that you have to live to keep your cortisone levels pretty balanced. Anybody? Six days on, seven days off. It's crazy. It's crazy. That is what science tells us. It's almost like there's somebody behind creation that's ordering things about how we're going to function best. It's almost like that. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Think about this for a second. The year and the day, 365 days and a quarter, is based on math. It's logical. It's about how the earth rotates around the sun. And the day, the 24-hour period, is about how the earth rotates on its axis while we rotate around the sun. It's logical. It's mathematical. Why do we have a seven-day week? The month? Based on the lunar cycle. Mathematical. Logical. Why seven days? Honestly, completely arbitrary. There's no mathematical or logical reason behind it. Other than, perhaps that there's a divine creator out there who created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. Rested on the seventh. Crazy, right? Crazy. So science has proven that if we want to be our best selves, if we want to be our most creative and productive selves, healthy selves, we need to rest once every seventh day. And that's why, church, when you read the New Testament, Jesus, he actually doesn't do away with the Sabbath. 
You say, oh, but he, he's constantly harping on the Pharisees about their abuse. Yeah, their abuse of the Sabbath, but he confirms the Sabbath is good. The Sabbath was made for man. You guys, us, you need it. You need this. This is how you were created. You created in the, in the image of God who worked six days and rested on the seventh. We need this. You can see it in the way he lived his life. Where is Jesus on Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath? He's in the synagogue observing the Sabbath. He's enjoying the Sabbath, enjoying fellowship with people, looking at the scriptures, refocusing his heart on God, resting, enjoying creation. He's observing the Sabbath, and he doesn't do away with it. He says we're not supposed to make him with a bunch of rules. That becomes problematic. It's about rest, but he said the Sabbath was made for men. Enjoy it. It's a gift to be enjoyed. Receive it. See, we need rest. We need this. And those of us who can't rest reveal that we're still slaves. We're still slaves. And that's not okay with God. See, God sent Jesus to free us from slavery. Those who can't rest reveal that they're slaves to something. You say, how so? Anyone who overworks is a slave. They're either a slave to success, a need to prove themselves. They're a slave to a materialistic culture. I gotta have more. I gotta have more money. I gotta work more hours so I can have more stuff, so I can be worthwhile, so I can have a good reputation, so that I can please mom and dad. I got this voice of my dad in my head that says, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. You gotta measure up. You're a slave. You're a slave. You're a slave to an exploited, exploitative uh, employer, someone who's just constantly taking advantage of you, working you, driving you with a whip. The automotive industry is kind of like this sometimes. Those, my brothers and sisters that work at factories in the automotive, I feel for you guys. It's hard. Sometimes it's not the best. You work 80 hours a week consistently, right? If you can't take a day off one in seven to worship God and enjoy him and his creation, you're a slave. And God wants you to be free. He wants you to enjoy his rest. You say, okay, Levi, I got it. Sabbath, I get what it is. I think it's good. You've heard your point. How do we do it? How do we do it? And that is kind of a difficult question. It's kind of a difficult question. As I just stated, it's about rest. The focus of Sabbath is about your rest, not a bunch of rules. So I don't want to give you a bunch of rules and bind you all up this morning, right? I don't want to do that. I just thought of a joke about X-lax, but I'll, I'll refuse from going there. <laughs> We don't want you bound up with Sabbath rules, right? We want you free in Jesus. Get the joke where I was going to go? <laughs> okay, so we don't want a bunch of rules, but I'll give you some gui guiding principles. But before we get in the practicalities of Sabbath, we first need to talk about Jesus. We got to talk about Jesus. At the heart of every human being is a nagging question that goes like this. Do I have what it takes. Do I have what it takes? Every father feels this. Every mother feels this. Every student, every athlete, every employee, every single person has this question in their heart. Do I have what it takes? Do I measure up? And it leads us into slavery and to endless striving where we're constantly trying to prove to the world, to ourselves, to a parent, perhaps even to God, that we do. We do measure up. 
We do have what it takes. And so we overwork. We chase the idea of success to prove to our dad that we have what it takes. We strive to make a name for ourselves, to leave a legacy, to buy more, to achieve more. And we can't rest because there's no end in sight. We're constantly trying to prove ourselves. We have what it takes. We measure up. Look at us. And this is why before we talk about the practicals of Sabbath rest, we first need to talk about the person that provides ultimate rest, lasting rest, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only person who ever lived that actually has what it takes. See, he's the only person to go to the university of God, the university of life, and graduate with 100% A's in every category, life, law, love God, love neighbor. Hundred, hundred, hundred. Jesus aced the exam. And the Bible says, we're all a bunch of flunkies when it comes to this report card. Try as we might. Some of us are kind of C students. Some of us are B students. But the only way to actually graduate the university of God is to achieve 100%. Anything less, see the grading curve, 100%. An A in the university you got, 100%. That's a tough, that's, that's a high bar. I like, the, I like it when it's like down at like 90. What's an A? It's a 90%. All right. Now in God's university, 100%. The only way we graduate is 100%. Anything less than that is an F. You're not walking at graduation. You're not wearing the cap and gown. Just endless striving to measure up and then failure. It's shameful. Can you imagine not walking at your graduation, your college? It's humiliating. But Jesus went to this university. He aced all of his exams, and then he went to the cross. And what did he say up on the cross? It is finished. What? What was finished? Our work. Our striving. Church, are you saved by works? Some of you shaking your heads trick question. Yes, you actually are. You are saved by works. That's why God gave us the law. The law is about works, about perfection, and you and I are saved by works. The problem is we can't be perfect. We can't achieve what the law was set in place, the standard. We don't measure up. So you say, are are you saved by works? And some of you are like freaking out, like what? That's heresy. Hold on. Are you saved by works? Yes, you are. But this but, there's a big but here. But we are not saved by our works. We're not saved by our works. None of us can, can, can achieve the perfection required. We don't have what it takes. We aren't saved by our works and we never will be. Instead, you and I are saved by Christ's work, his work. When we go before God, the dean in our university of life, and he says, why should I graduate you? I see your report card. It's terrible. And you say, yeah, 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 I know. But, but look, Jesus, come here, come here. Jesus hands us his report card. He says, look at this. Look at this. A, 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 I aced it. For those of you who envied the valedictorian or the kid who never had to study, he's like, I hate that guy, right? In the university of God, you are a valedictorian. 
you get the honor of walking and not just walking in front of your class. You get to give the speech that the valedictorian gets to make. And it's not about you. You say, listen, my report card, it was terrible. But Jesus, he did the work. He did the work that I can't do. And, and now I get his honor. I get his glory. I get his performance. And now I can rest. I don't have to strive anymore because when God looks at my life, he sees this transcript over here, and it's awesome. It's awesome. You see, church, you can't experience the rest of Sabbath until you get this. Otherwise, even when you try and take a break, your mind's going to be racing. Man, I got so much to do to be a good dad, to be a good worker, to make this business go. You'll never be able to rest because you're constantly trying to live up to that question, do I have what it takes? Until you, you answer that and you say, I don't. And that's okay, because in Jesus, he has given me what it takes to measure up before the Father. Until you get that, you're never gonna be able to truly rest. Now, it might be helpful to put into some practice some of the practical stuff that we're gonna talk about. Actually, science and studies have proven that it would be helpful. It will be. But if you wanna enjoy lasting rest, if you want to feel good about yourself and have an identity that's not fluctuated on your performance, then you have to look at Christ's report card and rest in that. That is where true rest is found. So if you're here this morning and you don't know that and you don't believe that, man, today, make it the day where you say, Jesus, I don't even know if I got this all figured out, but I want your report card. I want your transcript. Will you give it to me? He will, and you'll begin to start enjoying some of the rest that we're talking about some of the rest that we're talking about. So we, that's where we start when we talk about Sabbath rest. So the rest of these things, they're just guidelines. They're just guidelines. No hard and fast rules here, but as you think about 24-hour period of rest, Sunday seems like in culture, our culture, to be the best day to make that happen. Some of you work on Sunday. I work on Sunday. Choose a different day. Shoot for 24 hours. And shoot to have some of these things in your Sabbath routine, okay? So the first one is you think about your Sabbath day, how to organize your 24-hour period of rest. Here's some, here's some guidelines that you should think about incorporating. Firstly, rest. Rest. Because Sabbath is modeled after God's six days of creation on and seventh day to rest. Aim to give yourself 24 hours off a week. And just like God rested from his normal work, you should rest from your normal work. And this is where, this is a beautiful guideline, right? This is a beautiful guideline. Whatever your normal work is, if you're in construction, you work here with your hands, your normal work is physical. So for you, the Sabbath might look like taking a nap, reading a book, watching some YouTube or the dudes on Dude Perfect, right? Well, I don't care what you watch. and Make sure it's godly, but it should be resting from physical activity. Now, some of you, of, now the rest of you are in, a, in an office or you're staring at a screen and you're kind of a bump on a log six days a week, right? I'm, I'm one of those. I live the sedentary lifestyle like most Americans. <laughs> okay, so for you, the Sabbath should look like maybe getting active. Build something. Create something. Bake something. See? Rest from your normal work and, and do something that fills you up, that rejuvenates you. I have a, I have a buddy who's a, a pastor he will mow his lawn on, sat on Sunday. And people at his church just, they flipped out about it until he preached on the Sabbath. He's like, listen, for me, I am in my head all day. 
I never have a finished job. In ministry, you're never finished. People, you just never finish. You never see a finished product. He's like, for me, mowing my lawn is one of the most restful things for me to do. I would mow my lawn every single day of the week if I could. It is restful for me. I'm out, there's nothing going on in my head. I'm just taking in God's creation. And at the end, I get to say, I finished this, it's done. You see how this works? We don't need to be legalists. Figure out what's restful, what's for lasting for you. Take a break from your normal work and take 24 hours to do whatever it is that rejuvenates you, that energizes you. Unplug from technology, right? Technology is awesome. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great tool, but it also can be a huge distraction. Huge distraction. A lot of us are afraid of boredom and afraid of being alone. On the Sabbath, it's kind of a good idea cleanse yourself of some of the craziness of the 24-7 news cycle. The internet will be there when you get back. Your emails will be there when you get back. Unplug. Unplug for a day. Rest. Take a break. The Sabbath is meant to be a declaration that our work, whatever our work is, is not God. It's not what gives us our identity. It's not God, and neither are we. We're not superhuman, right? We need a break. We need a break. Unplug from your work. Take rest. This is going to require some planning. It's going to require some trust because it means you're going to have to get done in six days what the world tries to do in seventh. In seven. And that's kind of the point, as we talked about earlier. The Sabbath is not only an opportunity to remember and enjoy God in his creation, it's a reminder that God is the one who's actually in charge of your life. He's the one who really provides for you. You can trust him to multiply your work in six days so you can rest on the seventh. And whether you can rest is kind of an indication of where your faith and trust actually lie. Do you trust God enough to order your life around him in this manner? Two for 24 hours off from your normal work once a week. Secondly, refocus. Refocus. Refocus on God. As you're out in nature doing recreational activities, Don't just enjoy them. Receive them as a gift. There is someone behind the goodness of this life that is blessing you with that goodness. Don't stop at the gift. Turn your heart in gratitude as you're enjoying the muddy mommy, right? You're taking in the beauty. You enjoy a beautiful sunset. You're enjoying time with your kids. You have the ability to make something with your hands. Don't just say, wow, I love this. Say, thanks, God. Thanks for giving me this ability. Thank you for the beauty of your creation. Thank you, Lord. Turn your heart to focus on who is giving you the good thing in your life. Turn your heart towards God. Refocus. Your Sabbath Sabbath should include some intentional rest. It should include some, some time to refocus on God. And it should also include some time to remember. Rest, refocus, remember. Remember God's faithfulness. Think about your life before Jesus, how God has been faithful to to you in your past. Remember God's promises to you about your future. It's a good idea to spend some time in a worshiping community as well. Why? Well, first of all, because God commands it in Leviticus 23, 3. Remember? So we talk about it again. The Sabbath is a day of sacred assembly, refocusing on God and remembering God's faithfulness and promises happens best in a worshiping community. I want to give you an analogy that I give a lot, and forgive me for its overuse, but I think it's really helpful. Think with me for a second about a coal in a fire. The coal, if, if it stays in the community, 
of the fire, the community with all the other members, right, stays hot, stays hot for days. What happens when you take that coal out of its community and set it over here all by its lonesome? It goes out. It goes out. That's how God has ordered and built all of us. Not just that we'd have physical rest, but that we'd have rest in community, in a worshiping community to help us return our focus on who he is, to help us remember the promises of God, to be encouraged by your brothers and sisters when they talk about God's faithfulness to them in the past. It's why we gather on a regular basis. That doesn't mean you, you can't go camping or you can't go to the lake or you can't do this, that, or the other thing on a Sunday, but it means if regularly coming together in a worshiping community isn't part of your Sabbath ritual, you're missing out. And not only are you missing out, you might be in danger of burning out, of burning out. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect meeting together as been the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day nearing. Don't neglect meeting together. Come together. If you miss Sunday, get in a small group. If you miss a couple, get back. Come back. Come back. You're missing out on the rest that God has for you. The band can come up as, as we conclude here. As you structure your Sabbath, don't make a bunch of rules, a bunch of restrictions. Just try and be guided by these four principles. Rest from your normal work, whatever it is. Do stuff you enjoy, stuff that replenishes you, that revitalizes you. Spend some time alone and spend some, some time in community to refocus on God and to remember who God is. I love Jesus' word in Luke on the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. Consider how you might do a better job to observe the fourth commandment. Not only will it be good for your health, it will be good for your soul. Your heavenly Father guarantees it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, in America and across the world, but especially in America, we live on a treadmill that runs faster than everybody else. We take less days off. We, we work longer hours. We're just running on a, a faster treadmill, Lord, and, and I have to stop and say, where are we going? And the, the answer is nowhere. Nowhere. We are ceaselessly striving to perform to measure up to our own standards, to measure up to your standards, to, to make more money, and we're selling ourselves short. We're missing out on a beautiful gift that you have given us, the day of rest, Sabbath. Lord Jesus, would you help us to find rest in the work of Jesus Christ? Bless us this morning with the words of Jesus on the cross, it's finished. Let us rest in that. There is no condemnation in Jesus. Only honor for those who rest in him. Help us rest in that, Lord. And as the worries of this life seek to, seek to choke out that rest, would you come in and scream in a megaphone the truth into our hearts? And Lord, help us be intentional. Help us not make a bunch of rules about this, but help us to, to think intentionally about what that 24-hour period can look like. Help us re-examine how well we we're doing at honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Keep us from legalism, Lord. 
and help us, help us keep rest as the focus. Father, I pray that you would be faithful to help us do in six days what the world tries to do in seven. We love you, Lord. You're gracious. We praise you. It's for your glory and our joy that we pray. Amen.